listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome in, everybody. Glad to have you along. You found the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. With me is Zach Barletta, and we're glad you're listening in as well. Sports talk, but it comes from a faith-based point of view. Glad you're here. Let's get started, Zach. It is that time of year where the NFL kicks off. Anytime we have a sports season kickoff, you love these preview shows. I know you don't like them, and that's one of the reasons I love them so much. (laughs) I never understood prediction shows because... Listen, if the if you pick the New England Patriots, let's just say, if Tom Brady goes down with an injury, it's over, baby. Their season is done and you just can't you can't predict injuries. You don't have a crystal ball. You know I've got our picks from last year, but Oh boy. Who do you remember who you picked to win the Super Bowl? Offhand I'm gonna say maybe the Saints. No, you picked you had a Chargers Eagles Super Bowl with the Chargers winning. Wow. I had a Patriots-Packers Super Bowl with the Packers winning. <laughs> I had the Giants as a wild card team. Go <laughs> go, figure that. At least you got one of the actual Super Bowl contestants. I had the Giants and the Lions as wild cards in the NFC. Oof. But anyway, I know you love this, and I want to do it differently this time. So instead of shenanigans this week, uh, let me ask you these questions. Okay. Let's start off this. Which team has the best shot to win their division? Now, some of that might be because the team is great. Some of that might be because the division is maybe not so great and they're the, the head of the class. All right. You want to just quickly go division by division? No, just give me one team out of all the teams. that Man, this team, if I had to bet my third kid, which is poor stewardship, by the way, <laughs> but if I had to bet my third kid, this team, I could guarantee is going to win their division. I think the easy answer here is the Chiefs. Um, I mean, the, the Raiders, they got to, they get to play the Raiders twice. The Broncos have Joe Flacco at quarterback. They get to play them twice. The Chargers are without Melvin Gordon, although they're a very good team and probably don't need Melvin Gordon. And you look at how good the Chiefs are offensively, and then they just happen to go out and add a Pro Bowl running back in LaShawn McCoy. So I think the chalk pick here, the easy one for me, is Kansas City. Over New England. Over New England, yeah, I I think New England is, is such an easy answer, but, you know, they just lost Gronkowski. We don't know um, what they're going to look like without him. Josh Gordon is back, but for how long? We don't know. Um, you know, Tom Brady is, what is he, 42 now? 147. Like you said, but... you know, somebody rolls up on his knee and their season's over. So I just, I like the uh, the arrow is pointing up for Kansas City, so they're my pick. Well, I would agree with that. I, I'm going to go with New England as though if I had to put bet my entire mortgage I'm going to put it on New England. Now, I do think, like you, it's going to take them. They've lost Gronkowski. They might take them. They might stumble a little bit in the early part, but by the second half of the season, I really believe they're going to be rolling. They have a favorable first-half schedule. They've got Pittsburgh opening week. Then they got Miami, the Jets, Buffalo, Washington, the Giants, the Jets again. I think the Chargers are a bigger threat to the Chiefs than anybody in the AFC East is to the Patriots. So let me ask you this. Who is most likely to be the Super Bowl-bound team in each conference? 
Well, I mentioned the Saints a few minutes ago was my pick for that I thought might have been my pick for last year's Super Bowl. I'm picking them to go to the Super Bowl against the other team that I just talked about, the Chiefs. I'm calling for a Chiefs and Saints Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I'm going to say the Chiefs as well. Boy, the, the NFC is a little tougher, but I'm going to agree with you. I, I can't decide between the Rams and the Saints, so I'm going to take Drew Brees in that situation as the difference maker. I think that's a wise decision. So, yeah, I'm going to go. I realized after I picked the Chiefs and the Saints for this exercise that they're the two teams that should have been in this last Super Bowl. Yeah. But uh, obviously the Chiefs had that uh, devastating penalty that they committed that cost them against the Patriots. And then the Saints, that famous call that everybody saw. So I guess they're going to get to the Super Bowl just a year later than they should have. All right, so let me ask you this third question. Which division winner from last year is least likely to repeat this year? So let's look at the division winners from last year. You had in the AFC the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Texans, and the Ravens. In the NFC, you had the Saints, Rams, Bears, and Cowboys. Which of those eight teams is the least likely to repeat as division champion? I'm taking the Chicago Bears. I agree with you 100%. Um, As good as they are, Mitch Trubisky is still the quarterback. I'm not convinced he's very good. That electric defense that they had last year, their coordinator left and is now the head coach of the Broncos, Vic Fangio. They've gotten better at running back. They have a lot of weapons. Allen Robinson is a, a year farther away from his surgery, but I just think the defensive coordinator change, um, and also the fact that the Packers are going to be a lot better, and the Vikings are still really good. It's a tough division, and I and I think the chances of them being as good as they were last year are uh, pretty slim. Which team, whether they made the playoffs or not, is most likely to suffer the biggest slip back? Who's going to take a step back? Uh, this will make Bills fans happy. I'm picking the Miami Dolphins. Mm. Uh, you don't think of the Miami Dolphins as a team that was good and will be worse, but people forget they were 7-9. and nine. They were second in their division. They beat the New England Patriots last year in a stunner. I mean, we, we've watched as they've come out and said they're not tanking, wink, wink, Yeah, but they've traded or cut just about every valuable player on the team. They're stockpiling picks for next year. They're pretty clearly tanking. Yeah, they have a plan, and their plan is to tank this year and go into next year loaded with draft picks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I agree with it, but we've seen other teams have success with it. It's it's a strategy anymore. Yeah, and I think we legitimately might see them go from seven wins to, I don't know, two wins this year. So the Miami Dolphins are my pick to take a big step back this year. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears for all the same reasons you pointed out why they won't repeat as division champions. All right, let me ask you question number five. Which team has the best chance to be a surprise playoff team going out there on a limb? Who's going to be the biggest surprise team in this year's playoffs? I've got two teams for you for this one. One is obviously our hometown Buffalo Bills. A lot is expected of them this year Mm -hmm. with the completely rebuilt offensive line, the completely rebuilt wide receiver core. Obviously, one of the league's top defenses from last year returns uh, with Ed Oliver added to it. I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Bills after how bad the offense was last year. But I think the AFC is weak enough they could grab a wild card spot. My other uh, surprise playoff team is the Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot was expected of them last year. Obviously, they imploded spectacularly. There were discipline issues, splits in the locker room, all of those sort of things. But if you look at them, they still have a lot of the talent that they had from the previous year when they went to the playoffs. They are now without Blake Bortles. They've added Nick Foles and his old quarterbacks coach from Philadelphia is calling the plays. They have a lot of talent, first-round picks all over the defense still. 
I think the offense will be better enough. I think you can see the Jaguars make a big improvement this year. For me, it's the San Francisco 49ers. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they'll be a surprise. Uh, I think they won four football games last year, but they were they were done in by injuries. Yeah. They would have been a much better team. I think the San Francisco 49ers are, are going to surprise a lot of people. Which team has the best shot at picking first in next year's NFL draft? And we already talked a little bit about the Dolphins yeah. and their tank job. I mean, I think obviously that's their plan, right, is to be picking at the top and get their quarterback. But uh, I put four teams down here because it was really tough to just choose one. I have the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Redskins, and the Raiders. Um, obviously people are expecting more out of the Raiders. They just added a bunch of first-round picks to their roster. They have John Gruden, who people still seem to think is a good football coach. The Redskins, it's rough. Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins, their franchise left tackle doesn't want to play for them anymore. You look at the Bengals. Andy Dalton's still the quarterback. A.J. Green is hurt. Rookie head coach. Not much in the way of offensive line. I think you could see those four teams in some order as the first four teams in the draft this coming year. Yeah, I had the Bengals. That was my thought that they're probably going to be picking first. And that was up until recently when Miami traded the trades they've made. And But I'm, I'm going to stick with Bengals. But let me ask you about the Buffalo Bills. Two questions. First off, the Buffalo Bills will be in the playoffs because... Josh Allen levels up in his second season in the NFL. Um, we see quarterbacks the second, third years in the league, make big jumps as far as their play, as far as recognizing defenses, being smarter with the football. They've surrounded him with a new offensive line. They've given him expensive new targets to throw the ball to. All that's left now is for him to make that jump, make better decisions with the football, and um, become a better quarterback. Okay, the Buffalo Bills will miss the playoffs because... They suffer too many injuries. I mean, look, the anchor of that rebuilt offensive line is the center, Mitch Morse, now the highest paid center in football. Missed almost all of the preseason workouts and the games because he was in the concussion protocol. Um, he has a history of concussions. If you get a veteran center to anchor that line and then suddenly he's forced to retire because of a hit to the head, that's a big blow. John Brown is the new number one receiver. He's had several injuries. He has a sickle cell trait. It's possible you could lose him for a while. Frank Gore is 36 years old. He's currently the top running back on the depth chart. You could lose him to an injury. So I think health is going to be the potential biggest detractor from this team this year. But long and short of it, Bills stay healthy. You see him in the playoffs. I think they get a wild card spot if they stay healthy. All right. There's a little different look from us at this year's NFL. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more football you saw the Peyton Manning thing, baptized as a Chicago Bears fan. Did you like it? Did you not like it? We're going to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program with Rick Benson and Zach Barletta. Something in the way she moves. Time now to kick off a new season of Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics with our first Red Hawks recap of the school year. This Red Hawks recap will cover up through Wednesday, September 6th. The Red Hawks recap being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. The Roberts Wesleyan women's tennis team opened up their season this past weekend with a 5-2 win over the College of Brockport. They'll be hosting the University of the District of Columbia at noon this coming Saturday, September 7th. The men's soccer team will be in action this Saturday, hosting Malone University at 3.30 p.m. And then next Saturday, September 14th, the men will be home once again, this time hosting Seton Hill University at 3 p.m. 
On Sunday, September 8th, the women's soccer team will welcome in Urbana University for a noontime match. Next Tuesday, September 10th, it's the women's volleyball team hosting Lemoyne College at 7 p.m., and they'll play host once again on Wednesday the 11th, this time to the college at Brockport. Start time for that match is also 7 p.m. Stay up to date with all the Roberts Wesleyan Athletics action at their website, robertsredhawks.com. You'll find news, scores, highlights, and more. And, of course, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Redhawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta and NFL edition as opening day is, well, it's here. We've had opening day and now we've got opening Sunday here coming up later this weekend. Zach, you saw the skit on ESPN, Peyton's Place. He's baptized as a Bears fan. I was somewhat troubled by it especially by some of the phrasing in it. Peyton the Lesser, do you believe in Hallis, the Papa Bear Almighty, and an Iron Mike Ditka, his only son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and suffered under Mike Miskaski. It goes on at one point, who descended into the hell that is Dallas, but rose again and ascended into heaven. I'm, I'm telling you, I found the whole thing a little bit trouble. I, I found it... Uh, maybe more than borderline blasphemous. Now, I I know this is a get off my lawn moment, and I don't <laughs> I don't get excited about a lot of things, and 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 I don't get offended at a lot of things. I understand humor. I like to think I'm a funny guy, and I make jokes at stuff that probably I shouldn't. So I I'm a little reluctant to get to go overboard on this, but there was something about it that I just didn't like. What did you think? Well, I thought it was really funny to begin with. <laughs> to be honest, it was it was funny. It was it humorous. Was. When he comes up out of the water and he has the, the Ditka mustache on, I, I almost had a spit take there. That was very funny. But uh, my overall opinion of it is I got that little bit of a twinge of, you know, this is a topic that maybe should be making fun of. But overall, you know, I didn't really have a problem with it. And, and my thoughts on it are basically – that this is a commercial made by and featuring people who, as far as I know, are not believers. And so for me to expect them to produce content by the same standards that believers have doesn't make any sense to me. I just, for me, I felt like maybe we shouldn't be laughing at this. And something like this comes along and it doesn't bother us, doesn't phase us. And I think maybe it should. I was troubled that I wasn't as troubled maybe as I should have been. Mm -hmm. You know, generationally, we've sort of allowed more and more things to become commonplace in our lives that we probably shouldn't have. And I was just thinking, you know, I'll be sitting with my wife and we'll be, you know, in our room watching a movie or something. And one of my kids will get out of bed and walk in and I'll pause and be like, oh, they can't see this. 
And I'll think to myself, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't see this mm. either. You know, it's sort of a reality check for me. Yeah, that's a great point. I think part of the problem is that casual approach to Christianity. Too often we have a casual approach to our Christianity. By definition, for many today, our faith, our walks of faith lack intention. They're they're irregular. They're occasional even. And for many, it's really this, it's it's downright apathetic. They they just don't care about the things we should be caring the most about. It does say something, I think, when in so many churches, you know, people come in late. They get up, sometimes several times during the service, and step out. Now, I know there are good reasons for this sometimes, but sometimes there isn't. They come back with a coffee. Maybe they go to the bathroom, which might be fine. But if the message was significantly important enough, uh, wouldn't you think that maybe you could hold it together for a little longer? Would you go out to the bathroom in the middle of a big at-bat during a ball game or during your uh, your favorite song at a concert? Or is that important enough for you to hold it together a little longer? I remember years ago, there was a time people came to church, they came early, they stayed late, sometimes even hours, you know, just staying after, talking with one another, but not just casual conversation. It was edifying. It wasn't the game they were talking about. It was real life. It was Bible interpretation. It was what God had revealed to them in their quiet times. You would see people reading their Bibles together, or maybe quietly praying together. For some, today, they, they've stopped bothering to go to church at all. Or maybe at most, it's every once in a while thing. And they'll tell you, you know, I'm still a believer. My, I still have my faith. But yet, so many other things are prioritized higher than their spiritual lives. I think because we often take it very casually. Consequently, the sinful situations that we see on our television screens are easily dismissed. And mocking one of the basic Christian practices, such as baptism, well, it's no big deal. Well, it was funny. And I'm with you. I, I, It was humorous. But you know what? I think I'm wrong. I think I should be offended by it. I know this. They would not have dared to make fun of an Islamic custom or practice. And you know why? Because I fear they take their faith more seriously than many Christians take theirs. There are places around the world today where they can't be casual or indifferent about worship services. They can't because they risk their lives worshiping the one true God, the God of the Bible. And you better believe they take it seriously. In other places, they walk miles, many times barefoot, for an opportunity to worship Christ, to hear the Word of God preached. Yet we struggle to be on time. We skip going for the simplest of excuses. To be honest, Many only go to church for the social aspect. Let's just be real. There's no hunger for the Word of God or to know Him better. We just go continuing on with our lukewarm living, thinking that, oh man, we're pleasing God. The Bible says in that in the last days, there will be a falling away, an apathy towards spiritual things. And I think we're seeing that we're living in those times because we're seeing prominent Christians turning from their faith. We're seeing people in our churches, people who you and I would sit beside who are not there anymore because it was never their love for Christ that drew them. Instead, it was acceptance by a group of people or friendships among those people. And sadly, when they can find that somewhere else with less accountability, they're gone. I believe we need to be more seriously studying and learning Scripture. 
We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. I mean, have we forgotten what Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5? He says, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. I'll just read two more scripture verses. This one, a charge from Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 6, 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. My friends, we need to seek first the kingdom of God. It shouldn't come somewhere down our list of priorities. Lastly, Matthew chapter 22. In verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. So the question becomes, do we? Do you? Do you love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind? Or is it just some of it? I think as believers, we should all be challenged to take our faith more seriously. I'm sure there was no ill intent on the part of Peyton Manning or probably anybody else there at ESPN, but maybe that Peyton Manning baptism skit should bother us a bit more than it seems to have done. When we come back, we'll wrap up this week's show with our You Like That segment. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Hey everybody, it's Benson. You probably know that Beyond the Game is a different kind of sports talk radio program. Sports conversation and Bible verses mixed together? Why would anybody do that? Here's why. Because the message of Jesus Christ is so important that we use sports to appeal to sports fans. Trying to be, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, all things to all men that I might by all means save some. You see, all of us are sinners. And because we are, we can't get to heaven on our own merit. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it also tells us that God loves us. So much so that he sent his son who was the only one who never sinned. And though he did not need to die, willingly did so on the cross as a sacrifice to pay the debt of all our sin. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why? Because God wants us all to be saved from an eternity in hell. 1 Timothy 2.4 says he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But the good news is Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Instead, he rose again, defeating death and making it possible for us to go to heaven as a result of his righteousness. You see, that's the grace of God we want to tell you about. Sports Talk Radio allows us to bring that message of the forgiveness of sins to sports fans all around the world. Forgiveness of sins is available to all people everywhere. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I hope you'd pray to God. I hope you'd confess to him that you know yourself to be a sinner and tell him that you know and believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and begin a new way of life, turning from sin and seeking after God. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, 
you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. The Power Up Sports Ministry Conference is October 8th in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the offices of Our Daily Bread Ministries. You'll hear from Clark Kellogg of CBS Sports, Carolina Hurricanes Chaplain Sid Graham and his wife Kristen, and from Mike Moore, Chaplain with the Houston Dynamo. It's the Power Up Sports Ministry Conference October 8th. Register at PowerUpSportsMinistry2019.eventbrite.com. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Glad to have you back here on the Beyond the Game program. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. It's time now to bring this week's show to a conclusion with our You Like That segment. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23 says, In all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. For Washington Nationals pitcher Aaron Barrett, it has certainly not been just talk, but it's been plenty of hard work that led to his being promoted to the big leagues once again this past week. But this was not the typical September call-up. In fact, when September 1st came and went, he figured he'd be with the AA Harrisburg Senators for their postseason. After undergoing Tommy John surgery in 2015 and then fracturing his arm in 2016, Barrett hasn't pitched in the bigs since August 5th of 2015. That's over four years ago. Nationals manager Dave Martinez says he's here because he pitched to be here. He pitched really well, and I'm very proud for what he's gone through. What an amazing turnaround for him. We're glad that he's here, but he's earned the right to be here with what he's done. He certainly has Aaron Barrett of the Washington Nationals working his way back to the major leagues after four years and after serious injury is what I like this week. What I like this week is not an uplifting or inspirational story, but it is very funny. Uh, (laughs) A guy named Chris Syria tweeted out a picture of his 2019 Miami Dolphins team calendar. It's one of those calendars where every month is a different, well-known player from the team. First of all, not all the players were that well-known outside of Miami because Miami Dolphins are not very good. But this guy went and X'd out in Sharpie every player from this year's calendar who's already been purged from the team. There are four of the 12 players left. (laughs) The Dolphins have just blown up this roster for draft picks and to save money and as a bills fan it warms my heart i enjoy it very much so eight of the 12 players in the 2019 dolphins calendar already being off the roster it's what i like this you like week. that you like that well that'll do it thanks so much for being with us here on the beyond the game program remember this radio program it's only on the air thanks to the generous support of our listeners it's because of your prayers and your financial gifts that make this program possible We'd ask that you please pray about becoming a supporter of this radio ministry. And if you have a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program. If you feel led to give a financial gift of any amount, please visit our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 